0: All right, let's turn to Judges chapter 3 today. Judges chapter 3. As we continue through the Judges, Judges chapter 3, let's read. Let's start in verse uh, number 12. Verse number 12. Judges 3, verse 12. And the children of Israel, let's look again at verse 11. Remember, the land rested forty years, and then Othniel died. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the mighty a king of Moab eighteen years, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud the son of Gera, a Benjamin, a Benjamin Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. You see, he points out here in verse fifteen that he's left-handed. That means even weird people. Can do things for the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what that means. Uh, We'll look at that more in a moment. It says verse 16, "...but Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges uh, of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end uh, to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present." But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal, and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. Uh, and all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand, and took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Oh, just ate. Then Ehud went forth through the porch, and shut the doors of the parlor upon him, and locked them. When he was gone out, his servants came, and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, Surely he covereth his feet in his summer chamber." And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead in the earth. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped uh, Seraph. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew the trumpet uh, in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount, and uh, he before them. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies the Moabites into your hand. And they went down after him, and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab, and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab about uh, that time about 10,000 men, all lusty, and all men of valor. And there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore years, Um, and then after him Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. I apologize for this. So we see here... um, Again, the circumstances that that arose. So let's go back to verse number 12. Why was a, a judge or a deliverer needed in this instance? And it says it very clearly in verse 12. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And so we see that this isn't the first time, obviously. And this won't be the last time. We know that as well. But after the children had rested for 40 years, Othniel had died, and it says then, the children, again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what did God do? He strengthened, it says, Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. They fell back into sin. They felt comfortable with their situation. Their enemies were weak. Um, they were in a somewhat of a power position still. And the Israelites, they were not a weak people. And every time that we see them... Falling into captivity it was not because they were um, weak, it was because they were in sin. And God was punishing them for that. And so they needed a judge or a deliverer because they fell back into sin. God allowed Eglon to overtake them. Eglon was not the most powerful king of his time. Uh, he did not have the strongest armies in the land. But verse 12, it says that the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab. I believe if you were to go back and look, I believe if you, if you did a deep study into the history of the time, you're going to find that there was not really a, uh, a military sense of Eglon overtaking Israel. It really wasn't, it wasn't that it was impossible, but it just didn't make necessarily a whole lot of sense. It wouldn't have been normal. And uh, But God strengthened Eglon. He overtook Israel, and now he was the king uh, there as they were in captivity. Um, Samuel talks about this story, and when he's talking about the story, he says that they forgot the Lord, the children of Israel. So when Samuel's talking about this time frame of Ehud and Eglon, uh, Samuel says the children of Israel, they forgot the Lord. And we've talked about this before, but that's what it is. They fall back into sin. They, they did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And what it is, is they're forgetting what God's done for them. They're forgetting what God promised them. They're forgetting what God commanded of them. They're forgetting what God, how God had blessed them. And they fall right back into this, this routine of sin. And oftentimes that's the case for us too. When we, when we have sin in our life that we're allowing in, whether it be a bitterness, whether it be a pride, whether it be a covetousness, whatever it is, it gets into our life because we've forgotten God. It's not that we forgot God exists, but we forgot what God has done for us. Bitterness is always a result of some, someone doing something against us. And in doing so, we allow ourselves to get angry and to, to, to dig into this bitter feeling because we've forgotten that no matter what any person does to us, God's already taken care of us. He always has. He always has. When we allow pride to get into our life, it's because we feel like we're something special and we've forgotten that all the good things we have, we have from God. When we allow uh, uh, any, any kind of sin into our life, we get it, whether it be a sin that's caused because of our selfishness, whether it's because of other circumstances, the end result is, is we have that sin in our life because we've forgotten God. We forgot what God has done. We forgot what God can do. We forgot who God is and the attributes that He has in His life. The children of Israel here forgot God, so they fell back into sin. They did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And so God says, Israel, meet Eglon. For 18 years, they were controlled by Eglon. Now we see two different judges listed in this story. The main one we read about is Ehud. And this is who God sent to take care of or to deliver the children of Israel. Again in verse 15 we see this, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, so why did God send a deliverer? Because the people asked for it. Just like last week, just like next week, the the punishment came because of sin. The deliverance came because they asked for it. So the children of Israel cried unto God. And the Lord raised them up a delivered Ehud. So Ehud, uh, Ehud means, his name means uh, uh, united. Isn't that interesting? United. A coming back together. Left-handed. Most of the time in the Bible, when you, from what I understand, I'm not the, the greatest scholar in the world, when they mention left-handed, typically it means ambidextrous. The person, so when they're talking about warriors who were left-handed, it meant they could fight with both hands. Uh, they could sword fight with both hands. They could, they could do what they needed to. They, they could do which, whichever hand they wanted. Uh, I joke about people being left-handed because I'm not left-handed. I don't know if anybody here is or not, but if you are, I, I hope I didn't offend you. Oh, no, poor Zoe. I apologize, Zoe. <laughs> Only perfect angels are left-handed. Um, but uh, they, uh, uh, they mention left-handed here, and it shows that there is some skill uh, that God has given Ehud. And it, and it plays into the story all the time. Look here, uh, as we see the story that we've already read, but we see that they make a, uh, a present. They're going to deliver a present to Eglon. And uh, Ehud has a dagger, it's a two-edged dagger, and he hides it under his right thigh. And, uh, and so I don't know if this plays into, I would assume, the strate- st- strategy of it all. Uh, that if you're not expecting an attack from the left hand, I don't know. But from what I can read and what we see about Eglon, I don't think that his cat-like reflexes were really there, uh, no matter what. But we see they had a present, and then there was a secret with the present. And uh, Ehud came in, and he got it where it was just him and Eglon alone. And, uh, And it's just amazing to me. You read the story, the details of this story, I wonder why they're there sometimes. Why did we need to know that? You know, TMI is what we used to say when I was a teenager. TMI, too much information. I don't know why, why all this is in here, but it is in here and it's for us and we see this. And Ehud comes in. He pulls uh, out with his left hand the dagger in verse 21. He thrusts it into the belly of Eglon in verse 21. And it says that a haft also went in after the blade, the handle, and the fat enclosed the blade so that he could not draw out the dagger. And again, I just my stomach curls thinking of this. Uh, you know, I can't get it out. Can't get it out. And then, well, where was his hand? It was oh, I just anyways. Uh, and it says that when he he uh, he brings his hand out, uh, and it says in verse 22 that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Oh, nasty. But this all happened. You look at the, how it works out in verse 24. Everybody else was going out. So uh, Ehud went and he locked the doors. And while Eglon could have still been saved, maybe, and while uh and while Ehud was escaping, everybody goes, Well, the door's locked. And so, so they didn't bother Eglon. And uh they tarried, and it says, as they tarried, uh, then uh, that Ehud escaped in verse 26. They finally opened the door with the key, and they find that Eglon uh is is dead. And so Ehud, <coughs> we see him uh here in verse. Uh, twenty seven and that it came to pass when he was come, and he blew a trumpet in the mountain. Uh, this is a sound uh, that they would understand the Israel uh, came to him uh, in Ephraim, and they went down with him from the mountain, and he before them, and he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand, and they went down after him and took the fords of uh, Jordan. Um, you see, they didn't want the Chevys, so they just took the Fords. Ah, I'm just kidding. That's a horrible joke. Uh, toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. After, after Eglon was out of the picture now, Ehud gathers the people and he says, Hey, listen up. Um, the Midianites, are, they're ours. The Moabites, excuse me, are ours. Let's, let's go finish the job. So they did, they went down, uh, uh, followed after him. It says in verse number uh, 29, they slew uh, of Moab, at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty, all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. Trained soldiers, trained fighters, but God said, they're yours, go take them. Just like he had done when, when Joshua crossed into the promised land. They're yours, go take them, go fight them. You'll win. That's the kind of odds I like. You're guaranteed to win. <laughs> I'm in every time. But God says, they're yours. So they went. They fought. You see, the children of Israel, in their deliverance, it wasn't just a, we sit back and watch. Oftentimes as Christians, we kind of get in this mentality of, as long as I just sit on my hands, nothing bad will happen. And God is consistently telling us throughout Scriptures to go to work, to be active, to serve. All of that happens not sitting down. It's, it's an activeness. And here the people had done wrong. They had sinned against God for 18 years. They had been in captivity. And now they finally cried to the Lord, and the Lord sent a deliverer. And now uh, God and, and Ehud say, all right, let's go to work. And they do. God gave them victory. And it says in verse number 30, and Moab, uh, so Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore years, 80 years. 80 years now they had rest. Verse 31 says that after Ehud, uh, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, uh, which slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Uh, I believe this is the west side. Uh, of that that area. So the Moabites were on the east side, the Philistines on the west side. Um, And uh, and so it says here that not only was Ehud involved in delivering the people, but so was Shamgar. He killed 600 men of the Philistines. He did it with an ox goad. Um, From what I can understand of that, it's about an eight-foot-long wood stick with an iron point on the end. So it's almost like a spear-like Uh, I mean, you know what a goat is, I guess. Uh, But uh, he used that to kill 600 men. I think that's a good thing to remind us that God doesn't need a military force. He doesn't need a tank. He doesn't need machine guns. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things. I'm saying that God doesn't need those things. God used one man and and an ox goat to kill 600 men to deliver his people. No matter how weak we feel, no matter how, number, how outnumbered we are, if we'll follow God, God will fight with us and God will fight for us. No matter how difficult things are in your life, no matter how hard temptation is, know that if I follow God, God will fight the temptation for me. No matter how hard uh, uh, different things are going on in your life, no matter if there's people against you that you say, why are they against me? They're supposed to love me. Just go with God and let him do the fighting for you. Trust that God is going to take care of you. Here are the people, they had fallen into sin, they were wicked, and so God punished them. God always punishes sin. And so, along with the punishment of sin, when you ask, when you finally come to that point and you realize, I'm not very smart, I'm living in sin, that's wrong. God, forgive me. God will. And so then, after that, we come back to the realization, I need God's help. I need God's help for victory in my life. So we ask God for that, and God says, I'm with you. Let's go. And we get to work again. Right back at it. Doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 4, the Bible says, And the children of Israel again did evil. And it's going to be the story of Judges as we go through it. We'll look at Deborah and Barrett uh, uh, next week. But uh, uh, what an interesting story. And again, I, we watch the Bible. And I'm telling you, if you've not read your Bible a lot, you're going to see details in the Bible. If you look at creation in Genesis 1, the details of creation are incredible. Here in this story of Ehud and Eglon, I question why do I need to know all that? But they are details. God is a detailed God. And they're there for a purpose. So as you read your Bible, don't read it so fast that you miss details. And it's going to take time. You have to read some passages over again before you catch something. Sometimes you read it. Uh, There's things that I've heard my entire life, and I read through the story again, and I go, oh, I never never heard that, never realized that, never knew that. Be faithful. Read, study, follow. In your life, don't get caught into this, this same rotation Uh, and and, uh, that uh, the children of Israel fell into. You're going to sin, but when you do, get it taken care of immediately. Don't go through 18 years of punishment. Don't go through 18 minutes of punishment. Get it taken care of and let God work for you. And God will indeed do just that. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray as we again look through these uh, real-life illustrations of Israel and the mistakes that they made. Lord, would you again help us to learn from these so that we do not make the same mistakes? God, I pray that you would help us to remember who you are, that we would not forget what you're capable of, what you've done for us. Lord, that we would not fall into sins because we've forgotten who you are and what you've done. God, forgive us of these, these sins that we do. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand as well that, that it does take a little bit of work it's not that you aren't there with us. It's not there that you, that you are not the one that's giving us the victory, but we can't just sit on our hands and expect you to do everything for us. Lord, you give us the strength. You give us the wisdom. Um, you give us the open door and sometimes the favor that we need. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in doing our part for you. God, help us to, again, to grow uh, closer to you through our personal time in your Word. Help us to be faithful with that. Lord, I pray that you provide for the needs that we have this week. All of us have different needs. I pray that you would uh, bless each person who's able to come today. And oh Lord, would you bring us back together uh, uh, this week to worship you again, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.